Podnuts wants to thank everyone who supports the network by going to www.podnuts.com slash Amazon. Hey everybody, welcome to Geeksters episode 189. This is Martin Abando, your host. This is a show where we talk about all things technology from iPhones to iPads to we're going to talk about watch guards and VPNs today. Um, so a little housekeeping before we get going with the show. Uh, if you're a new Geeksters listener, you're welcome to listen in. If you're an old Geeksters listener, please go ahead and let me have your attention for a little bit here. So um, last month, we, I mean, we as in Podnuts, we lost our Amazon affiliate link. Um, I've talked to you guys about that many times. You know, if you're going to buy something, go to podnuts.com slash Amazon um, and a little money gets back to the Podnuts community. That is no longer available to the Podnuts listeners. So um, it was out of our control. There's nothing we can do about it. Um, so we're just going to move on. Okay. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to ask, um, and I, I, you know, I've got a dog in the fight here. I'm one of the hosts on the show. So, um, and I do give monthly to um, Podnuts. And I'm not saying that to guilt anybody in. I, I understand it that we have a lot of listeners who are financially just not available to do that. But if you are available to do that, we're asking for everybody to just give $1. If you can spare $1 a month for um, to the to the Podnuts show to compensate for our loss of our Amazon affiliate link. I don't want to beg, but I'm just asking for that. Um, if you know uh, Door to Door Geek, aka Stephen McLaughlin, the owner of Podnuts, he puts his heart and soul into this network. Um, I'm going to be a little selfish here. He does everything for me. Uh, there are other hosts who who do post edit, who uh, you know they they tweak the show, they make the sounds, everything go really well, and then they they post it online, and that is really really awesome. Unfortunately, I don't have the time to do that, and Dordor has been gracious enough to just let me turn on the microphone, talk to you guys, and then hand him the audio, and he tweaks and modifies it and posts it for me. And so he is such a huge blessing for this community, for this network. Um, and when he purchased this uh, network years ago, um, you know, this is not something he does full time. If uh, he's a he has he's a father, he's a husband, he works, um, has a full time job, and this is something that he does after hours when he gets a chance to, and he pulls a lot of data from a lot of people and he makes this Podnuts community grow and he makes it stronger and stronger day by day, year by year. So if you could please go to podnuts.com, slash, go down to the, about halfway down on the right-hand side, there's a button that says um, support. There's a, there's a quick link. All it does is take one quick button, press it, and you can subscribe and give $1 a month. That's all we're asking for everybody to do is just give $1 a month. If we could all pitch in and do that, that would be really, really awesome. So now that the our family meeting is out of the time, out of the way, I have an awesome show for you guys today. I'm not sure how long it's going to be, but I'm super excited to talk to you about a couple things. Um, one, if we all know that this last, uh, at the end of uh, March, beginning of April, there was a Microsoft vulnerability in Office, which is awful. <laughs> um, that has since been patched on the Patch Tuesday. I'm currently recording this on Saturday, April 15th. So the last Patch Tuesday would have been April 11th. Uh, if you have not already patched your computers, if you're running Office, um, please, 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 please run the patch. Get your computer up to date. This is a huge vulnerability. It was being exploded in the wild take care of that. And it's Patch Tuesday, so you always want to stay up to date with your Microsoft patches as well. Oh my gosh. Okay. So 
before we get into one of the topics that I want to talk about today, which is a VPN, I want to talk about WatchGuard. Now, I've been playing with the WatchGuard, and I've called it a WatchGuard router before in, in the past, and, and I've had some people say it's a unified threat management device. So WatchGuard UTM, because it does route, but it also has the capability to do intrusion protection, spam blocking, gateway, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a Swiss Army knife, depending on how many knives you want and how many knives you pull out at the time. So for just the sake of it, I'm just going to call it a WatchGuard. And uh, you can input whether or not you use it as a router, a VPN device, or a unified threat management device. But um, I've had one deployed in my house now for about a year um, with the hopes of pushing them out more and more to my clients. So for me to learn them, I wanted to go ahead and put one in my house. And like I said, I've had it set up for about a year um, with the help of Matt Rainey from Podnuts Pro. Uh, the, he's worked me, walked me through some couple steps and we've made some changes to it. Well, over the last couple of weeks, we've been able to get the VPN to work on it. I did have to pay more for my local ISP. They did come out. And um, so my local, so my, I called and, and I ordered a static IP. And the gentleman on the phone, um, when I called, because they said they're going to have to send a tech out. And I thought, well, that's silly. What are they going to do? There's just make the switch at the at the you know on their side uh so i called up and i said you know that, that monday morning because it was monday between eight and five that was their time frame and i thought oh man so i called them up about nine o'clock and i said hey do we need to really send somebody out or can we do this all um just over the phone he goes well i think we can do it over the phone like great that way i can get back to work i don't have to shut down my my office for a day and so he tries and he messes with it and it doesn't work and he messes with it and it doesn't work and he gives me the IP address. Well, the IP address he gives me with the slash 30 doesn't work with the gateway and everything. And I'm like, that's the wrong, that's the wrong IP address. And he goes, no, that's right. So I finally mess with it and I'm look at my IP calculator. I'm like, oh no, this is the right IP address. And he goes, oh yeah, you're right. That's the right IP address. Okay. So we get it going and no, nothing works. Um, I just internet down. I switch back to DHCP, and this is all done for my watch card, so it's really nice to just save it. Switch it back to DHCP, bloop, my internet comes back up. I'm like, uh, something's not working on your guys' side because I shouldn't have DHCP. Um, I should have a static IP address. Well, let's try this, and we mess with it. For, so for about an hour, we we mess with this, and it doesn't it doesn't work. Um, so the tech finally he comes on site, and he I, I I know what I'm doing right. He comes on site, he tells me the IP addresses. I put them in there. I say it's still not working. I'm doing a continuous ping while the, the static IP address is in my watch guard. It's not responding, not responding. So he goes, okay. So he calls his tech, and they said, oh, they forgot to propagate it on the on our side. Like, oh, that will help. And so I'm pinging, pinging, pinging. He goes, okay, it should be happening any minute now. And boop. Pings start coming back. Everything's live. We're good to go. I switch over to dynamic. Nothing. Go back to my static. We're good to go. The frontier guy was here for 15 minutes, if that. Like he was in and out, and he's like, "Well, um, awesome." And I said, "Well, why? Why do you have to send a tech out?" Just curious. And he goes, "Well, most people aren't as savvy as you." <laughs> so, um, and then I turned around and handed him my old frontier routers that I don't use. They're still new in boxes because I just all I use frontier for. Um, they're they're little. I'm going to router, I'm going to air quote the router, is, is actually just a converter box. It uh, coax comes in, Ethernet comes out right into my WAN side of my watch guard. So uh, I hand them back the two, um, they're all in one boxes with antennas and everything. And I said, I, I'm not going to use these. I don't want these. And he goes, oh, okay. And he took them, took them back. But, uh, but he, apparently he has to come out and, and make sure that everything works well. And I was, I saved him a lot of time, uh, getting, <laughs> getting that all set up. So, uh, I have since then been deploying my, the watch guard, 
devices out to a lot, of, a lot of companies. And really right now, it's just been as a replacement router for their failing routers. Um, one client had a router, an old TP-Link that I used to recommend. I really liked it. But the problem I was finding that with these TP-Links is that over a certain amount of time, they would just quit and you'd have to go power cycle them. I think they would just kind of get an overflow and they just too much data and they would just stop. You reboot them and they come back to life and they work for about another six months and they just go slow. They don't slow down. They just stop. So there's no way to actually say, oh, we should probably reboot that. Um, so I replaced one there. Um, we placed one that a sonic wall they had a sonic wall and the sonic wall was uh, end of life and we wanted to do something else with the emphasis on going to vpn because they do have a vpn already um so we wanted to to get that going for them and so we switched that out and i had it all configured here in my house so walked into their office unplugged the sonic wall plugged in the watch card boom up and running no problems um so i was super excited that it just went so flawless so but the big company that that i was really kind of concerned with was a company that does use VPN on a day-to-day -day basis. They have a local application that runs on their, I'm going to air quote server. Um, and it's not a domain controller, it's just a data server, but there's an application that runs on that, that they need to connect to. So when they're in the office, they just connect to it locally when they're outside the office. And yes, they do spend two days at an offsite location. They VPN into their network and they use um, this application on so what they have they have a they've got an ipad they've got a couple ipads they've got a surface and a um a, a, just a windows dell laptop the ipads use l2tp to vpn in and the um the surface and the watch guard also or surface excuse me surface and the uh, laptop also tried to use l2tp as well and for a while it seemed to work um their primary network was a uh just a comcast cable modem into a ubiquity edge router and then into a switch and then they had a guest network and then they had a ubiquity uh, unify um, access point now the gentleman who set this up he did a great job with it but he kind of made it overkill he actually had three separate vlans and i see why he did that because with the ubiquity edge router it has to provide dhcp to both networks you, the you the unit and what i mean by that is that the unit the ubiquity um, unify access point is just an access point it doesn't do anything it doesn't have any smart controls in it so we have to set up vlans if you're going to segment the network out and have a private and a public network and that's what he did he had a 10 dot for his private he then had a 192.168 kind of in between and then he had a 172.16 for the guest network um the problem was is that the ubiquity edge route or the 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 well for a couple things windows l2tp on the ubiquity edge router just doesn't work very well their vpn would be slow it was sluggish it would just drop so the workaround that has been for a while when they're offsite is they've just been using team viewer they go right to the server and they do everything they need to do that way um it's not great it doesn't work well but it's been a workaround for them and they've been running this way for a bit um the iPads, no problems. L2TP on the iPads to the Ubiquity Edge, no problems at all, just in Windows. And I did do some research and I looked at this and they said, yeah, L2TP on the Ubiquity Edge router just doesn't work very well within Windows. So they're moving. And I said, this is a great time to be able to go ahead and deploy a WatchGuard router to you. And let's flatten the network. Let's make it easy and let's put in a um, open mesh router. And they said, yes, let's do that. So when we got over there to move them, they were literally moving next door 
to the next building over in the parking lot. So all we had to do was actually just unplug the cable modem and move the cable modem over. They have a static IP. It came back up. Comcast was there. He just rerouted some cables. Boom, they're up and running. Now, the doctor did have to work the next day, and it was going to be a Friday, and they were working remotely, so they needed the VPN. I said, okay, let's hold off and find a day when I can take the network down rebuild it from scratch because i'm gonna have to rebuild everything with get rid of all the vlans and remove the ubiquity and put in the watch guard and put in the open mesh but i'm gonna have to have the network down for a little bit and i was hoping it would be a little bit and not a lot and they said okay so we scheduled that out um to be a thursday afternoon um i think it was the next thursday or two thursdays out so um i had the ubiquity I printed out all the configuration files um, so i was able to go through it i see that there was some port forwarding they did i had set up the uh, watch guard here in my house. We had it all ready to go. I had set up the open mesh. I took it out there um, in like three in the afternoon. I swapped it out. Done. It was so easy. It just it just worked. Tested VPN on the uh, laptop. Fixed. No problem. Tested VPN on the... Um, actually, I didn't have the laptop there. That's correct. I did not have the laptop there, but I was able to test it from my home. Worked just fine through um, the watch guard. When you set up the VPN, um, the secure VPN, you just go to the your IP address and then you log in and you get a chance to download both your Windows app, your Mac app, and then you could download just the open VPN files, the OPVN files. And that works right away from my Linux laptop. So I was able to put everything into my Linux laptop, put in the OPVN file, I was able to connect to their to their network over the VPN, um, so that worked out really really well. I then, um, while I was there, I updated the Synology, which that's what took the longest part. Um, they were so far behind that I had to download a manual. I had to manually download an update for their Synology, and then turn around and there was four back to back automatic updates. And now their Synology is up to date, but they're up and running now with the WatchGuard as the primary router. They've got a switch, and then they've got the open mesh that provides both the um, wireless for the internal and the or sorry for the guest network and the public uh public network and the private network now you've heard me talk about WatchGuard uh before sorry Whew. you've heard me talk about open mesh before and the open mesh will provide on your networks if you do not tell them you can only have one network attached to your lan your local area and then the other networks don't but they automatically get their own dhcp service so in a situation where you don't need um, you want to segment out your private and public network, you can use the open mesh, and that's what we did there. Um, so, left the office, everything was good, up and running. I went to the um, the uh, administrative assistant's home, because I had the laptop, made sure that was working. I tethered it to my phone, um, and she had a iPad. And I said, well, let's make sure the iPad over L2TP still works. Boom, worked just fine. Then And then so she, she texted the doctor, she had the doctor try it, boom, worked just fine. So, Really, I had to just configure the watch guard, get all the information, set it all up. It was so, so simple. So if you're looking for something that works really, really well, um, I'm, I'm going to recommend the watch guard. I have coupled, I've got a couple uh, quotes out there for some watch guards, but I think I have six, maybe five of them deployed right now, and I just am so impressed with them. Um, anyways, but that's you use what you works well for you. But I just want to let you know, if you're looking for something to start with, um, I recommend the WatchGuard. And I want to give a big uh, thanks to Matt Rainey um, on, for helping me out with that. He's, he's come through and, and a answered, you know, Voxers and stuff like that that I needed him to help me with and to, to get me up to date. And he's just been a great help. So thank you, Matt Rainey, if you listen to Geeksters. Okay.
I had a client call me, and this is a new client that we had uh, a while ago. I had mentioned this is the client that had the domain controller that was wiped out. We had to rebuild them from scratch and rejoin all the computers back to the new domain and move data over. They are a property management company, and they have an application that they use for their rent um, renting application. And what I did, I, I saw it, and I didn't really think much of it when I did see it originally how this application works and I've used I've used multiple other rent management applications because I that I've I'm involved in a couple other property management companies and they're all web based. This one's not. Well, it is. Here's how it works. They RDP to a server 2008 and run the application from there. In the RDP session, they have all of their print printers follow them over. So while they're RDPing from their computer in the Portland area, to a computer in the Cincinnati area, uh, yeah, Cincinnati, Columbus, something along those lines. Um, when they're when they're RDPing over there, then they need to do anything, and they print, and it prints all the way back over here. So, what was happening was they received an I got an email from them saying, "Hey, we can't print. It's just taking way too long." And I said, "Okay." So um, I said, I'll, "I'll be there in a little bit, and we'll see what we can do." I was on another call at the time, and and so I was. I was, um, they called me back and they said, so here's what the company is saying is that our ping rates are too high. They're sitting about 83, 85 and sometimes spiking up to a hundred and they need to be down lower than that. And I said, okay, no problem. Um, I wish I knew where it was. I want to say it's, we'll just say it's Columbus cause I can't remember it's Columbus or Cincinnati or, oh, it's Cleveland. There it is. It's Cleveland. Okay. So the ping rates are way too high. Uh, and I said, okay, no problem. So I come in there and I take a look and I need to decide then so my, my steps are decide whether or not it's internal issue or it's an external issue. So the first thing I do is think, you know what? We've had some power outages. Maybe the switch hiccuped. Let's go ahead and, and power cycle the switch. So I tell everybody, I'm going to bump everybody off the internet for just a moment. Power cycle the switch. See if that makes any change. No change. Now, I'm pinging from the server inside the network through the switch out to the cable modem out to the network. No change. Still a super high ping rate. I go, okay, well, let me trace. Let me trace route it. See what happens. I watch it go from the Comcast router to internal, you know, uh, lo local, and then a local hop, and then downtown Portland. And then in Portland, it actually switches from Comcast to level three in Portland, no problem there. And then it switches, and then from level three Portland to level three Cleveland, boom, huge spike in latency. I'm like, okay, okay. So uh, let's try it from, now we've tried it internally, I can see that there's a potential issue within level three, which is a major ISP backbone. So let's let's try it from the Comcast router to see if it's still internal. Same same issue. Okay, um, let's try it from my house. So I remote to my home. I do the same thing. Now my home, I'm on Frontier, so a completely separate ISP. Um, so I'm not using Comcast, and I see the same thing. It goes from my Frontier network, boom, 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 switches to level three. Portland, level three, Cleveland, high spikes. Okay, so now telling that to your customer may sound like a foreign language to them. So what I want to do is show them what exactly I'm talking about. And Marvin and Marvin B and Matt have talked about an application called Ping Plotter, and it's pingplotter.com, and it, you can get it for a free two weeks. And what happens is you can actually say ping, and what it does is it'll do basically a trace route all the way through to the end, and then start over again, and start over again, and start over again. So it keeps doing it over and over again, and you get this graph 
of latency with a plus and minus because of the highs and the lows. Okay, so you can actually visually see where it goes. And this was able, this, so with this information, I was able to bring in the manager and say, okay, see what's going on here? We're local, we're local, we're local, we're still in Portland. Boom, it jumps to Cleveland, it spikes way up, and then it stays spiked up. I said, this is not an issue that we can resolve. This is an issue that has to do with either with their ISP. Now they're tied into level three. They never jump out of level three, but um, this is something that we can't, we can't fix. Um, it's, it's out of our, it's, it's out of our control, but it was able to show her what I was talking about when I was speaking this foreign language, because that's not her job, right? She doesn't know about, you know, if she starts talking to me about um, renting protocols and stuff i'm like i i doesn't make sense to me and i start talking to her about ping rates and trace routes and you know all this other dns and she's like ah it doesn't make any sense to me so but giving your giving your customer a graph that make that shows what you're talking about that makes sense and that's exactly what i did she goes okay so there's nothing we can do to fix that and i said there's not um, it's, it's on there. It's, it's out of our control. I'm hoping it got better. I haven't checked it. Um, and this would have been uh, earlier this week. Um, so I haven't checked it to see if it's been, uh, better or not, but I wanted to bring that up that there's a program out there called Pling, sorry, Ping Plotter, P-I-N-G-P-L-O-T-T-E-R. Um, it looks like you have, uh, monthly subscriptions or you have a perpetual license. So it depends on what you want to do with it. But, um, but if you want need it just to just to take a look at, there's a free two week trial. Um, so I wanted to talk to you guys about that. All right. So the meat on March 28th, President Trump signed in um, to or, or will potentially by now he has signed in a bill that basically rolled back um, the privacy regulations enacted last year by the FCC that would block ISPs from selling to advertisers information about what you where you go and what you do online um this has created a big hubbub um as, as it should um and one of the things that i came across was this uh, actually a very very well written article by brian krebs on krebs on security and i will have a show you know of course i will have a link in all of in the, the show notes for all of these that uh that i talk about and and if you don't know what a vpn is I, cause I, I was talking about this with my wife and, and, uh, she's, uh, she works in medical field and I kind of understand a little bit of it and she kind of understands a little bit of what I do. But overall, I start talking about a VPN and, and my kids are interested. My sons and both kids are in high school. And so they hear about these things and they, they question what, what does this mean? And so it gave me a chance to explain to them what a VPN was. And especially now that I have some VPNs within some businesses, what does it actually do? do right it's not just a way just it's it's a way to connect to your you know your home to your work and you can work when you're at home but really what is it now brian krebs wrote a really nice um thing here and he says basically it's a software creates uh so a vpn software creates an encrypted tunnel between your computer and the vpn provider effectively blocking your isp or anyone else on the network aside from you and the vpn provider from being able to tell which sites you are visiting or viewing the contents of your communications a VPN service allows a customer to stay in New York City to tunnel traffic through one of the several servers around the world, making it appear to any website that the connection is coming from those servers, not from his ISP in New York. So VPN is just an encrypted tunnel from you to somewhere else. Now, it could be down the street. It could be next door. It could be across the world. So you're like, well, that's a good thing, right? Yes, it's a good thing. It uh, You can use it for multiple different features for security reasons, for, um, you know, maybe there's a... Um, 
maybe you know maybe there's a, a show that you want to watch that's only allowed in Britain um, or in England you can VPN to England and now all of a sudden it looks like you're there maybe you're at a coffee shop with an open wireless and you just want to get back home so you could check your email or you can be secure you can use it for multiple different things both good and bad to use it your own you know uh, that's not I'm not my, I'm not my uh, I'm not your mom but that's what a VPN does okay so what's the problem then what what okay if we're just gonna say well that's it right well no that's not it there's a section in this in the first paragraph here that says that effectively blocks your ISP from anyone on the network aside from you and your VPN provider to being able to tell which sites you're viewing or viewing the contents of your communication so you know where you're going and your VPN provider knows where you're going so do you trust your VPN provider well that's that's the question so the issue you run into is that if you Google VPN providers, you're going to come up with hundreds of them, right? Even a, a VPN provider took out a full page article after that um, information came out about the bill um, in the New York Times. So there's a, there's a great saying out there that pretty much says you're either the customer or you're the product. And what that means is if you were to Google free VPN provider, you're going to come up with hundreds of them. Like I said, which one is good for you? You know, which one do you pay for and which one are you the product, right? So what I mean by that is, is, and I'll read another section out of this article. It says, a quick note about free VPN services. Just as with free services like Facebook and Gmail, it's important to know that with free VPN services, you probably aren't so much the customer as the product. Operating a business like a VPN service takes considerable effort and cost, and it's very likely that anyone operating a free VPN, VPN service is also somehow monetizing your use of their service in some way, probably in a way that may be odds with your reason for using the service in the first place. So if you are frustrated and you are nervous about the FCC and your ISP snooping in on your traffic, right, then, then you use a VPN service and you go somewhere else. Well, now that VPN service may be also snooping and looking at your traffic right chrome has a way of following you now so if you're if i'm here in portland and i am using chrome and then i vpn over to england and i use chrome all of a sudden chrome goes oh wait i know you <laughs> I, I know who this is so now they're still following you in england there's other ways and steve gibson actually in his last podcast um, talks a lot about um, what you can do for security um, around that whole issue. And I, I, it's kind of a lengthy, but if you haven't listened to Steve Gibson's last security podcast, it would be the one dated the 11th, uh, April 11th, 2017. Take a listen to that. Um, but so, so you go, well, what VPN service should I use then? Right. Um, I have one that I use, um, private VPN service or PIA, uh, private internet access. Um, there is a website out there called that one privacy site.net and it has a simple VPN comparison chart and you can choose up to um, 10 or all of the VPN services and there are a lot of VPN services out there that you can look at. Um, I don't know exactly how many, 179 is what it lists, but it talks about everything from your privacy, logging, um, technical, security, availability, website, businessing, and ethics. And so go through that and I of course will have all of that listed um, in the show notes. But there's one, so the one that I go to is private internet access. And I don't know what these mean. I got to look at the colors here, but I'm just going to search for it because that way I can just get it down to the one. So um, green is good. Yellow is something of concern. Red is something of major concern. So privacy jurisdiction, it says is red. Privacy logging, 
privacy activism, technical service, technical security, technical ability, and business pricing are all good. And then yellow is something concerned of business website and business ethics is actually something of major concern. Now, I don't know what these are. Um, I haven't really looked into them, so I don't know exactly what they they are. So, but here's the thing. Again, back to Brian Krebs' uh, email. He says that this doesn't really change much of anything. Um, he says, as shocking as this sounds, virtually nothing has changed about the privacy of the average American connection to the internet as a result of this action by Congress, except perhaps a greater awareness that the ISPs don't really have many privacy protections by default. The FCC rules haven't gone into effect, and the traditional broadband providers successfully made the case to lawmakers that the new rules put them in competitive disadvantages vis-a-vis purely web-based rivals such as Google or Facebook. Now, this is such a great article that I really encourage you to go ahead and read it. Um, I'm going to stop there. We've talked a bit about VPNs and that. But what if you, you know, what if you don't have a WatchGuard or, or a Sonic or a Sonic Wall or any of the other UTM devices that you maybe just say, you know what, all I want to do is I want to be able to be at a coffee shop and I want to be able to get back home. Or I want to set up something that is my own and I want to go send it maybe to your parents' house or something like that. Well, there's a site here from TechCrunch about how I made my own VPN server in 15 minutes. And this, uh, this, um, person what he does is he actually uses um, DigitalOcean to set up his VPN service so I don't know about um, I know about your DigitalOcean I use them but um, so I'll put this in the show notes but maybe this is something you want to do is just set up your own VPN service just a real quick um, one-time thing now the nice thing about DigitalOcean is you can stop and start and quit and redo your nodes so that's up to you but check out uh, DigitalOcean and uh, this this note here about how to set up your own VPN service. Okay, enough with VPNs. We're going to move on to something a little more um, harrowing, in my opinion, right? A company in, where is this company? Stockholm, called Epicenter, puts now <laughs> is implanting microchips in, in in its employees' hands. And this is the spot between your thumb and your four, in your first, your four, your pointy finger, that soft spot there on your, on your um, hand there. They're implanting a microchip and it's about the size of a grain of rice. Um, the whole purpose of that is, and this is what the CEO says, according to co-founder and CEO of Epicenter, Patrick Matcherson, it's all about convenience. The implant acts as a key to open locked doors, a code to operate the printers, or even a credit card to buy foods and smoothies from the snack bar. It's the modern solution to the problem we face, carrying too much stuff. My first uh, thing to this is uh, no. <laughs> and here's where, you know, nobody's tested this. Where's the readers? You know, can this get uh, hacked? Can this get uh, taken advantage of? You know, and, you know, one of the things that I think about in, in technology and looking forward is, what else can they put on this? Maybe, you know, for the sake of of simplicity, your medical records. So you're in a car accident, you get injured, and in this device now you have your medical records. So now the hospital knows what to do and how to take care of you, who you are, right? Well, now what happens to security with that? Where are the security concerns? So my first thought is no, and there's a lot of reasons why, but the, basically it's a security reason. You know, who monitors this? Who makes sure that this is secure? Who makes sure that this is safe? I'm putting a lot of information on this chip in my hand for the ease of simplicity. I know we've gone to a digital age. I know all I have to do is pull out my card, my watch, tap it against something, put the card in the slot, put in my PIN number. But I'm actively doing it. I don't know. It's just me. Maybe I don't have a great argument against it. But I'd like to know what you guys think. Um, I've actually asked a couple of my 
my colleagues about it and some are like yeah this is good and i have a couple of people are like uh no <laughs> so yeah that's an interesting interesting article but yeah uh, i'll put that in the show notes of course so microsoft finally reveals what data windows 10 collects on your pc this is an article that just goes through with the new creator release that goes through that you can choose and opt out of choosing your you know privacy settings and there are things like location speech recognition tailored experiences relevant ads um such like that i'm still a big fan of oh no shut up um so thought i'd throw that in there now of course as if you as you know i use linux uh it's my day-to-day operating system windows pays the bills but i definitely use linux as a on my laptop but there are times when you know you have computer problems and you just need to fix stuff here's a site that says five specialized linux distributions for computer repair clonezilla live is one of them boom i use that all the time um one called rescutax rescue tux oh res Rescutex. Anyways, it's a repair distribution designed to fix problems with both Linux and Windows. So it's a beta release, but check it out. Redo backup and recovery. I forgot about that one. Um, it's kind of like part, well, it uses part clone to clone disk and partitions, um, but it has a GUI interface, GUI user interface to do um, backup and boots. So check that out. That one will, you can create backups. Um, you can create backups of your computer with that system rescue CD and Trinity rescue kit. Uh, Trinity rescue kit is kind of a wide range of tools. It's a Swiss army knife um, to help fix broken windows, um, different antivirus scanners. It has an option for cleaning out junk files. It can um, do some password resetting. So that's, uh, that is one as, as well. So that's the time that I have today, guys. Um, I got to get some work done today. It is Saturday. Tomorrow is Easter. Uh, I've got quite a bit of stuff and some tickets I need to close today. But thank you so much for hanging out with me um, today. I know you may not listen to it today, but I think you're here with me. And uh, thank you, everybody, for supporting PodNuts. Thank you, everybody, who has been supporting PodNuts. Thank you for everybody who's going to support PodNuts. Again, PodNuts.com. Just go down to the, just scroll down on the right-hand side. There's a button that says subscribe or support you know, $1 a month is all we're asking for. And if you guys could do that, that would be a huge help for me and help for Dor as he just puts his heart and soul into this network. All right, guys, don't forget to be gruntled. I'll catch you next time. Have a great and happy Easter. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Matt, the host of the MRP Tech Podcast. I would like to invite you to listen to my show over at podnubs.com. In each episode, I discuss anything tech-related, including Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, and so much more. We even get into rocket science. I hope you're enjoying all the great content here on the network, and stay tuned for all the great upcoming episodes by subscribing to our RSS feeds.